Good evening. Welcome to the Music Relish Podcast. My name is Perry. I'm coming to you from Burden County, New Jersey. And then the other end of the line is our friend Lou coming from Buncombe County, North Carolina. And together we are the Music Relish Podcast. Yes, we are. Lou, very nice intro, by the way. Thank you very much. Thanks, Perry. So let's go through some of the topics for tonight's show. All right. It's going to be artists who have just made one record. And uh, you and I are each going to pick a state and uh, talk about some bands that we like from that state. Right. And maybe some things we've, we've never heard of from that state. Correct. Absolutely. And we're each going to pick a producer to speak about. And the topic that uh, you came up with is, uh, I don't know what we would call it, live bands on TV shows, sort of like, you know, Midnight Special and those sort of shows. Yeah, it kind of fa- falls under it. almost music variety show because there is, you know, there were comedians and, and hosts and stuff. But these were bands that played live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Live bands on TV shows, not Partridge Family or any of those kind of things. Right, right. They're, they're, they're like no, no sitcoms, no no actors or nothing like that. They're right. And to close the show, we'll do a one hit wonder of the week, which will be yours, which will be, Oh, it's my turn this week. That's right. Okay. Well, I've you're got, in the hot seat this time. So, uh, so, uh, first topic, uh, artists who have just made one record. You want yeah. to begin Lou? I, I will. I'll start with one. Um, we, we might have some that collide here, but there, there's a lot of good ones. Um, this one was a, a punk band called the germs. Real? Oh yeah, the Germs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one album in 1977. Um, it was called GI, or maybe maybe, maybe they pronounce it Guy. I don't know. Um, but Pat Smear of Nirvana and later of Foo Fighters was in that band. But so they were like an LA punk band. I believe it was LA. Yeah, yeah. And um, they had a singer, uh, uh, Derby Crash, and she she definitely crashed. Her story is you know the tragic one of an, an a, a deliberate overdose death and. Um, kind of almost like performance art, but uh, it was produced by Joan Jett. And, wow, cool. Yeah, yeah. It was there, yeah, 1979, and they had an appearance in the movie uh, The Decline of Western Civilization. Kind of like a sort of a documentary, punk documentary <laughs> wow. thing. Yeah. Very cool. Definitely, yeah. So that's uh, that, that, that was my first one. What you got? Uh, well, I, I think, I, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I believe it's the Sex Pistols, Never Mind the Bullocks. Is that the only record they ever made? I believe so. Okay, believe well, so. that is a great record. There's, there's no doubting that. There's no denying that. Yeah, that, I, I thought they had more. I, I really did. I thought there, were, there was another record or like a follow-up. But, uh, 20 years that, after. There wasn't time. They have had a follow-up, you know, 20 years later. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, unreleased stuff. Yep. Good one. Very good one. Um, mine is uh, mine is a super group. A Who's the super group? It was Blind Faith. Blind Faith. Yes, 1969. Uh, the only record they ever made. The only, yeah, yeah. That was another one where I, I thought there was a live one, or you know, it, it but no, it's only one record. And you know who's in that band? It's you know Clapton, uh, Ginger Baker, Steve Winwood, uh, Steve Winwood, and uh, bass player Rick Gretsch, uh, who Rick. went on to Traffic and Baker's Air Force. You know. Ginger Baker's Air Force. Yeah, yeah. With a bunch, actually, Denny Lane of the of the Moody Blues was in Ginger Baker's Air Force as well. P- pretty cool. Wow. But, uh, yeah, cool. That, that, that album had some great songs on it. Uh, See a Joy, Can't Find My Way Home, Presence of the Lord. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, produced by Jimmy Miller. Mr. Jimmy. Jimmy Miller of the, uh, the Rolling Stones fame? Or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, this the same one. Beautiful. I've got one. It's one of my favorite records. It's called Seconds of Pleasure. And the group is called Rock Pile. Yeah. Rock Pile. Yeah. They're, you know, with not with quite them, a super group. It's a, it's a little bit of Chuck Berry, a little bit of the Everly Brothers, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yep. Yep. And, and granted, Dave Edmond had, you know, has made records. Nick Lowe has made records. But I believe together as Rock Pile, that was the only record that they made. I, I believe so. I think I think that was yeah. true. Yeah. You know, and that's a great record. It is. It's it's, rock, it's just real pure rock and roll. Um, I think the uh, 
the lead guitar player was Billy Bre- or is no Billy Bremner. I believe he was the, the guitar player. Besides, um, yeah. mean, Nicolo, Nicolo played bass. Dave Edmonds played guitar, and Terry Williams, later of Dire Straits, uh, was the drummer. What about Martin Belmont? Martin was it Martin Belmont? Uh, no, it might have been Billy Bremner, but I, okay. I when I saw Nick Lowe, Martin Belmont was with him. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, very cool. That, that, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, up. What do you got? What do I got? I got there, there's a bunch. Um, maybe I got ripped through a little a little ones here. Uh, Skip Spence. Do you know who Skip Spence was? Oh, trust me. Uh, he's on my list. Was he really? <laughs> the, the, the name of the record is Or. Yes. Have you yeah. listened to it? Um, I heard a couple of things from it. I'm wild. It's um, really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. He, he played, well, he was a guitar player on that. And this thing, you know, he was a, he, he was a drummer. He played, the, he played all the instruments. Oh, that's right. No, that's right. That's the solo record. He played all the instruments. Yeah. Well, he went on to Moby Grape as a guitar player and singer. Well, I have a little background on him. He was the drummer for Jefferson Airplane on their debut album. Right. He co-founded Moby Grape. Yep. He played guitar. And, um, yeah, he cut that solo album in Nashville. He was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. Hmm. Yeah, so kind of like yeah. a, an American <clears throat> Sid Barrett, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And just, he, played, just, he played all the info. But his record, it, it's, it's spelled O-A-R, so I don't know if it's just spelled or. Right, right. But it was, it's infamous for being one of the lowest-selling albums ever on a major label. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, do you know the label? I don't know the label. Okay. Yeah. But he has influenced the likes of Tom Waits, Uncle Tupelo, Cat Power, and people like that. You know, yeah, I, I, so he's, was he the drummer on like White Rabbit? Is that from the debut album? Uh, he, he was only the drummer on their debut album. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if that was actually on there. Neither do I. Okay, cool. Was that was that my call or your call? That was yours. That was, but it was a blended one. <clears throat> Spence, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I've got one here. Um, Jeff Buckley. Yeah. Yep. Only record he ever made. Uh, and that was pretty influential as well. Yeah. Yeah. Had tragic. He met a tragic end too, didn't he? Yes, he did. He he drowned. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, but apparently that you know, uh, two tragedy stories in a row. Defense, yeah. defense, <laughs> and Jeff Buckley. Wow, bummer, man. Yeah, true. Nope. Right, right, true. Anyway, he was young also, and that's a Tim Buckley's son. Yes. Yep. Yep. What have you got, Lou? Um, I got one. This is this is uh, kind of obscure, uh, but it's got a cool story behind it. Um, it's uh a duo was two brothers, Donnie and Joe Emerson, who put out an album called Dreamin' Wild uh, in 19, again, in 1979. Uh, what they were, they were two teenagers, uh, 15 and 17. Donnie, the younger, was a guitar player and singer-songwriter. His brother Joe was the drummer. But they lived in Fruitland, Washington State, really rural. Um, their parents owned, like, I think fruit orchards, or, you know, a lot of uh, orchard land. So the, the father took out a huge loan against his land. Yeah. Build, these kids are recording a proper you know, recording studio, and they took a barn, made a performance venue out of it. They made this album, pressed all these copies, and nothing ever happened. I think you know, they, they didn't market it. It was just, you know, people weren't going to come out to this in the middle of nowhere performance venue to see these two teenagers. Um, but the record was out, and the reason it became of note and how it came to my attention was I heard a song called, uh, it was called Baby. Uh, the singer's Ariel Pink. And I'm like, oh, that's a good tune. And it's, it, just, it had a ring of familiarity to it. So when I looked up the song, I saw who the original artists were. And it's these two, these two kids. And uh, there's, wow. a couple, there's a couple of YouTube documentaries about them where, you know, the kids from Fruitland or whatever. And just one of those things where, you know, the father believed them so much. But what happened was because, you know, he, he, I think it was, the investment was about $100,000 and, 1978 or 79, which is which is a huge amount of money. Well, the father ended up losing 1,500 acres of his land. It got reduced down to 66, but you know he did it because he believed in, in his sons. So you know, I, I so I think the Donnie, the guitar player, he went on to be in the music business, doing some writing. 
the brother worked at the farm and managed the, the farm what's left, but they still have the recording studio in the performance space. But what happened was because of some uh, a blogger, a record collector, he saw that album in a record bin and just played it. So he started talking about it on his blog, and I believe Ariel Pink heard about it from the blog and had a hit with one of their songs called uh, "Cold Baby." Very cool. Yeah, it's 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 a neat little album. I listened to it again the other day. Um, you can it's uh, they record it themselves. You know, it, it's the mixing's all out all over the place, but there's a certain charm to it, and it's it's weird because. You know, people have, you know, critics say who have heard this album said because of their isolation, it sounds kind of different. It's like kind of it's got moments of funkiness. It's it's not really kids. You know, it is kids, but it's not. Um, but what happens eventually because of all the attention they got, they reformed and they, they performed a bit. And um, I was sure there was some royalty payback, um, you know, with actually it was covered several times. I believe I've heard two versions of it. But what? the, the funny thing, it reminds me of being of me and my brother, you know, when we were teenagers, you know, we just we had a guitar player, drummer and our father, he built this little room behind our roller rink that we had. And, you know, we just that was that what we, we did. We were dorky, you know, but I said, yeah. remind me, remind me of that. It's just kind of reminiscent. But uh, very cool. Was, yeah, I thought it was a cute story. What were they called again? So maybe I can research them. And uh, listen it, to some. Donnie and Joe Emerson, the album. I didn't mention the album, Paris. The album is called Dreamin' Wild. The cover's funny. It, it, it's a joke with them. It's a joke with people see. Well, when you do see it, it's but it, it's 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 charming. It's got a certain thing happen for it. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got one. You know who the person is. Only record by this person. The record's called Pacific Ocean Blue. Nice, nice. Dennis Wilson. Yes, his only solo record. His only solo record, and uh, I like it. I like it. I've heard some of it. You know, it's uh, no, I don't think anyone heard it probably, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's really good. You know, and he could sing too. Well, yeah, all the brothers could sing. Yeah, <laughs> but, but initially, you know, he wasn't in that. You know, when they, in the early early days, and I think Mary probably took out his glass eye and made them stare <laughs> at it and said, "Dennis is going <laughs> to sing in a second." <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, but, uh, yeah, Pacific Ocean Blue, Dennis Wilson. Cool. The late Dennis Wilson. The late, the late Dennis Wilson, yeah. Nice, yeah. man. Very, very good. That was a good one. Have you got one? Uh, yeah, The Band of Gypsies, 1970. Wow. Yeah. I'm not fond of that particular period of, of, of Jimmy. Um, I'm more about the, uh, the experience, but that was something. And actually, you know, a little sub-reference for the Music Relish podcast is Buddy Miles was one of the singing drummers that we mentioned a couple episodes back. So who else was in there other than Buddy Miles and Jimi Hendrix? Uh, a bass player, Billy Cox. Billy who? Billy Cox. Okay. Yeah, never heard of him. I didn't really look up there or anything else beyond that on him. But yeah, Cool. Anyway. I remember seeing, you know, some documentary about Jimi Hendrix, and they went in for, you know, a short while about, you know, the band of gypsies and completely different sound. Yeah, from the yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have to go back and listen to it again. But, you know, when, you know I wasn't really digging it much. I'm like, well, why would I revisit unless it's for a, a music podcast? You know? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I've cool. got one. It's uh, recorded in 1972. Willis Allen Ramsey. Mm. Uh, he may have made a follow up. You know, a few years back, but I believe it's the, uh, and maybe it hasn't come out yet, but it's Willis Allen Ramsey. Okay. He wrote, Goodbye to Old Missoula. I think Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Jimmy Dale, yeah. Yep. I didn't know, I didn't know he wrote that. And he wrote, it wasn't called Muskrat Love. It was called um, something else Muskrat, but he wrote, you know, Muskrat Susie, Muskrat Sam. <laughs> um, which, you know, you know, wait, America did not really have a hit with that. I no, think they, the Captain and Tennille. Captain Tennille did, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so so even though, well, it's just a title change, I guess. But he's the he's credited as the writer on that, I believe. Oh, he is the writer of the song, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I don't, yeah, I, I, not to be pretty unscrupulous because you know America have a nice reputation as pretty decent people. When I've I've yeah. seen, and he he was writing these songs, you know, goodbye to old Missouri. He was twenty two years old, I think, when he was yeah. writing these songs. It's incredible. It, it amazes me, like well, you know, Simon and Garfunkel too, and a lot of these singer songwriters. The maturity. The writing maturity of that age just kills me, you know. I mean, the Beatles, yeah. the Beatles were doing some kind of "She Loves You" stuff at that age, you know. 
Yeah, interesting, huh? Yep, yep. Have you got another? Uh, yeah. There's always a there's always a couple. Um, let's see. Um, here's one. It's a modern day one. Temple of the Dog. Temple of the Dog. Who? Yeah. So that's that's sort of a little supergroup, isn't it? Yeah, it, it kind of was. It was uh, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. Yep. Eddie Vedder from Pearl, Eddie, actually Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder, Jeff Ament, and Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam, uh, and Mike 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 McReady and um, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden, the drummer, who I think I think went on to Camper Von Beethoven. So but they, they, they had they, they had they had a hit song Hunger Strike. I'm going hungry. Oh, that was them, huh? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was like a Pacific Northwest supergroup. Uh, it's like a grunge, a grunge supergroup, really. One record only. One record only. When they had that hit. Yeah, it was, it was a good song. It was a good song. It was absolutely a good song. Yeah. I've got one. The group is from Liverpool. And they had a smash, smash hit. <laughs> Liverpool, huh? Yeah, and they All were right. called the Laws. Oh yeah, they were from Liverpool. They're from Liverpool, and wow. they they this song was used in you know this Mike Myers movie, "So I Married an Axe Murderer." Yeah, yep, I know. There she goes. There yeah. she goes again. Yep, it's and that was the only record too. they ever put out. Wow, really? Did yep. they um, go on to other things? Uh... I didn't go that far. He went back to university. Sure, I'm sure somebody, you know, started another band or whatever else. But okay, oh, cool. But that, that was that, it. They're from Liverpool. They're called the Laws. That, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, I have another, um, another Northeast grunge, one, uh, one and done. Uh, Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone. <laughs> Who, where are they from? Once again, it, uh, uh, Seattle. It, it's uh, I think Andrew Wood was a singer. Um, of the band, and it was it was before Pearl Jam. It was Jeff Ament and Stone Gizzard, Stone Gossard again, <laughs> again from Pearl Jam. Stone Gizzards, yeah, Stone Gizzards. Um, but I think they had. I think Andrew Wood died, most likely, you know. And so yeah, but um, so actually, in Pearl Jam twice. That's also one of our music relish sub references, where that's bands a band that we're both kind of ambivalent about. But yeah, yeah, we just don't. It just doesn't hit. It. I just. You know, as good as they are, but interestingly, yeah. they they uh, you know they uh, they morphed into some subgroups and you know and uh, oh yeah yeah I mean sound, we're, I'm I'm not sure where Soundgarden would happen, but you know there's that's you know, it's like any local scene you know people drop out when drops in yeah that was a good one yeah cool yeah it was neat. that's a good one yeah oh, and I forgot what? to mention earlier uh, the Derek and the Dominoes that record that was produced by Tom Dowd who we talked about. Yeah, oh, that's our, right. That was our, the, our producer the only, That was Derek and the Domino's the name of the, one record only. Yeah, one record only. That, uh, was, they, uh, that was the biggie with Layla and uh Why's Love Got Blues. to Be So Sad, Bell Bottom Blues. Yep. And what I found out too is that Bobby Whitlock, I thought I thought they were all dead except for Clapton and uh Jim Gordon, but uh Bobby Whitlock is still alive. He's, he's alive and well living in Texas. Yeah, yes. right, right. Um yeah, Rick, Carl Radle uh, died at 37. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. I've got another. We, we know where Jim Gordon is. Yeah, he's in the he's in the old Stony Lonesome for the rest of his life, most likely. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, he he was up for parole in March, but uh, I I don't think he. They said he, he, he's probably never going to get out. You know? He's going to still hear voices in his head. Yeah. Right? For for the listeners, uh, Jim Gordon, um, studio drummer extraordinaire, a protege of of Hal Blaine. Uh, his career went from the '60s to the '70s. He's the co-writer of, of the song Layla. Um, he played on so much stuff, but he schizophrenic and he murdered his mother. And terrible story from such a brilliant, talented, and influential drummer on me too. Um, sad story, you know. Absolutely sad story. Yeah, we're full of this today. Where we? I've uh, <laughs> I've read Again. some I've read some stories about that from uh, from Bobby Whitlock. Oh wow. Yeah. And he, there's some great stories or some tragic stories about, you know, what happened when they were touring. Uh, yeah. But uh, I've got another one. This group is from uh, the Boston area. They're called the Modern Lovers. Jonathan Richmond. Jonathan Richmond. Wait, yeah. they had one record? One record. The um, There was a lot, of, a lot of problems with this record. He did not want to release it. 
But interesting who is in the band. Jonathan Richmond was the guitar player. The keyboard player was Jerry Harrison. Of course, you know. Oh, yeah. Right? We're talking heads. The drummer was David Robinson. Yes. You know what he wanted to. Yep. The Cars. Yep. And the bass player. And it it was produced by John Cale. The the Modern Lovers. And they had had songs like She's Cracked and Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, he, you know, he put out a record, you know, decades after that. And to him, that's their first record. But this actually was their first and only record, The Modern Lovers. Cool. Because now it's Jonathan Richmond. And The Modern Lovers. But that's just a money grab. Yeah, I I couldn't speculate on that. But that was okay. mine, Modern Lovers. Very, very cool. All right, I got one. And uh, it is from, it's a recent, it's called Them Crooked Vultures. It's a one-off with Dave Grohl, uh, Josh Holm of Queens of the Stone Age, and John Paul Jones, we all know who he is. Yep. He was actually, in, he was in a super group with them. Uh, you know, once they did one album and then fizzle, I guess that, that happens. When you're already in a famous band already and you've already got too much stuff to do. I heard of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Paul That's... McCartney in that band, or no? I'm thinking of something else. That, that was uh, John Paul Jones. Oh, okay. <laughs> when, when I, I there are no Beatles. There no Dave Grohl. Did he really? Maybe it was a TV show or something. Huh. Okay. I've got maybe one more. Um... I, I'm out. So you, you, you're you out. La- you, you got the last one. All right, I've got a group called The Monks. No way, man. Yeah. I, I have that CD. You're kidding. I, have you ever... It's, it's the weirdest It's the weirdest damn thing. I, <laughs> that's a great one. Oh, man. The Monks. The, the I don't monks. know what it was. I think it was the mid-60s or something. Yeah, it was called Monk Time. Yeah, well, that was it. Their only record. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hum out one of their songs right now because I have them in my head. Boys are girls and girls are prey. <laughs> just, they were they were they were unusual. They um, were odd, right? So you, you know their whole background. You know what they where they're from. I don't. They were Americans, but I think they were stationed in Germany and like like the Air Force or something. Um, they're so eclectic, but you know they did the thing where they shaved the back of their heads in the monk's tonsure. That thing is called. <laughs> <laughs> but look up some videos of them. It is bizarre. It is really. I mean, they do these weird cool. dances. I mean, cool. to see that, I mean, these, they were like 1965. So, uh, so way out there. And Perry, that's, that's brilliant. That's an amazing one. I, I can't believe I, I didn't pull that one up. All right. Very cool. So that's it for me, man. Uh, do you want to move on to the next category, which yeah. is uh, you pick a, you pick North Carolina. Is, is I pick, that yeah. true? I picked my adopted home state. Yeah. Okay. So who have you got? Um, like what kind of bands do you admire from, uh, from North Carolina. Well, I'll, well, I'll tell you because they know when when I started doing the research here, there's a lot uh, that crosses different genres of music as well. Uh, but I'm gonna because of you know what you and I are you know as musicians as well, and because you know the music we liked and played. It, I'm gonna start with a couple people, um, and then there's others. Uh, the DBs, the DBs, right? Oh yeah, right from Winston Salem, uh, Peter Holstapel, as you know, went on to work with REM. Yep. Uh, ended up in lawsuits with REM. Uh, Chris Stamey, uh, ba- uh, drummer Will Rigby, and the bass player Gene Holder. Uh, Will Rigby, who worked with uh, Steve Earle. Okay, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah good musicians, too. It's a good band. Oh, um, yeah. You know, one of those first early 80s indie bands when... And was there, was Gene Holder in there? Or... Yeah, Gene Holder, yes, he was. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's the original four. But, the um, DBs yeah. are a great band. They were, and they were one of those first bands. Like you know, I was tired of the hair metal stuff, and I was, you know, that you know, the like the replacement song left of the dial. You're finding the weird stuff, the unacceptable stuff, on the extremes of your radio dial back in your car at that time. But there were the bands that would pop up. You know, you're like, what is that? That's just, you know, it's cool, um, jangly pop kind of thing. But uh, they formed yep. in New York City though, in 1978. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they after all these years together, they did uh, make another album again. Uh, so it was their first and third years with the original lineup. I think Will Rigby left at some point in the early 80s. 
But um, you know, their first album is called Stands for Decibels. Uh, their second record, uh, Repercussion, was produced by Scott Litt, who went on to be uh, R.E.M.'s producer in that big crash crush period of, of R.E.M. Oh, yeah, 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 Scott Litt, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, just great, great stuff, you know. And I get nostalgic when I think about that. Um, the second one it was the band uh, Let's Active, and specifically Mitch Easter. Um, speaking of REM, right? Speaking he of REM, exactly, yeah. Produced uh, the first two records. Yes, he did. And uh, uh, Chronic Town. A great Chron- EP, yeah, the Chronic, EP Town. Chronic Town, Murmur. With, with Don Dixon. Well, Don Dixon uh, produced the first two records, co-produced. I, I like Let's Active. I have I have a couple of their records. Yeah. I really like them. Yeah, um, they broke up in 1990, but in uh, so uh, his the, the studio there that REM recording was it was drive-in studio in his parents' garage. Yes, somewhere in North Carolina, right? Somewhere, uh, yeah, Winston Salem. Winston Salem. Winston. So th- those are my two favorite things. Um, more current stuff. The Avid Brothers are from. Uh, North Carolina. The who? The, the the Avid Brothers. Oh yeah, I like them. Yeah, they're they're, they're very good, excellent. And uh, yeah, Concord. Um, Ryan Adams is from uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the Benfolds Five were from Chapel Hill. George Clinton of Parliament Funkadelic fame is from. I, this is the cool name of the city, Canapolis. It's like Annapolis with a K in front of it. Really? Um, he's yeah, from North Carolina. He's from North Carolina. Uh, rapper DaBaby is from Charlotte. And John Coltrane from Hamlet, North Carolina. Charlie Daniels, uh, the late great singer Nina Simone was from Tryon, North Carolina, not too far from here. That's I'm not in... too far from where you are. That's right, man. Um, let's see who else. Corrosion of Conformity, the metal band from Raleigh. Tori Amos is from Newton, North Carolina. Thelonious Monk, uh, the pianist from Rocky Mount. Uh, Ronnie Millsap, there's a stranger in my home. Um <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, he's a country. He's a country guy. He's from somewhere. yeah. Um, and I put this band in because it's a silly band name. We didn't mention it, but it's great. Super Chunk. <laughs> Super Chunk's from North Carolina. They're from North Carolina. I like Super Chunk. Yeah, and uh, the the late great uh, jazz drummer Max Roach was from Pasquatonk County. Um, the Connells, who are also called the Asia of alternative rock, <laughs> are, are from Raleigh. Maceo Parker, the sax we have we have a mutual friend, Tom That's Griffin. Right. Tom he Griffin really likes that band. And, yeah. and, when, and when I told him I read this uh, reviewer called him the Asia of Alternative Rock, he was pissed. <laughs> That's Tom will be a guest on our show one time. One day he will. No. One day he will. Um, so uh, to, to continue, uh, Maceo Parker, uh, sax player, played with James Brown in Parliament Funkadelic from Kinston, uh, where Mother Earth Brewery is. There's a plug. Uh, Benny King is from there. Uh, the band Whiskey Town. Well, that was Ryan Adams, I believe, right? Yep. Uh, North Carolina. Um, I, this is a band that made our silly band name uh, list a few back, and they're from Chapel Hill, and they're the Archers of Loaf. <laughs> um, this, the psych- so you found out they're from North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's fun. That's great. All roads lead to Rome, man. Um, it's a very English name, though. You it, know? it really <laughs> you is. Know? Yeah, I know. You know, I think like, you know, Loaf. Oh, you know, in, somewhere yeah. in England. Yeah. Well, and, and archers, too, you know, like, you know, Robin Hood. Um, yes. well, Chapel Hill could be British. Yeah. Um, uh, so another one, uh, the Psycho Billy Band, the Flat Duo Jets are also from Chapel Hill. You know, oh, I yeah. like them. I yeah, like man. Them. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really good. And, you know, Chapel Hill is, is a college town. That's the Triangle area. And that was that. pre-White Stripes. Pre-White Stripes, yeah. Yeah. You know, the uh, the uh, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, and Durham is called the Triangle. That's the, the big area out. Uh, east of where I am. Um, so I got one here and I just like the name. I never heard of them. It's a stoner metal band called Weed Eater. <laughs> uh, I just think it's, it's a great band name. Uh, Fred Durst from a from, uh, silly band name we didn't mention, Limp Biscuit, is uh, from North Carolina. And here's another great band name, and I don't know where they're from, never heard of them. The Frankenstein Drag Queens from Planet 13. <laughs> uh, and I got it's one. I got, anyway. Yeah, it's great. I got one more. It's. Um, Alutatistas. It's an instrumental math rock avant-garde band from Asheville, North Carolina. They're pretty well known. Wow, very that's, cool. That's, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot too. I, and there's a whole. There was much, much more, but um, you know, it's just wow. So you know, a lot of jazz. You know, a lot of African American musicians were from North Carolina. You know. Oh, very cool. So it's my turn now. It is your turn. Well, What's, you know, I'm in New Jersey. 
So, what exit I'll, off the turnpike? I'll just say, I'll just, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say, first up, a band that I've seen multiple times. They're still together. They're called the Bongos. Yeah, man. And I, they're you turn me on to them. Their album, Drums Along the Hudson, I played that thing to death. I bet you did. I did. What great, a great Richard, local band, man. Richard Barone, Frank Giannini. Yep. And, um, a towel rock. <laughs> <laughs> and what a great band. And, yeah. uh, and Moby even uh, remixed one of their songs, um, for them. Really? Wow. Very yeah. Cool. Yep. And you know, they're they're you know they're one of those bands you know they didn't sell many records or make many records and uh but I mean they were influential so I'm um, you know you know REM has their records so many people like them you know well that, they were one of those bands that I think they had to go like an import label to get signed you know really really yeah, yeah. one of those kind of things like you know the Stray Cats they couldn't get signed right. to this country at all you're right? you're spurned in your own country yeah yeah. So I've got another one. Now, now Richard Barone has had a pretty distinguished career. After, Absolutely. After. Um, he does a lot of like, you know, he's very into like Baroque pop, but he works with some museums and some like more con- concert hall type stuff. Um, really, really pretty cool. Like, you know, he, he, yeah, he's, he's a real cool guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Great songwriter. Yeah, 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 definitely. So here's another group. And you love this group. I love this group. They're called the Feelies. Oh, got it. I love them. <laughs> they are. They're from Heldon, New Jersey. Yeah. And they've, they've been together since 1976. You have their first record. I have their first record. And all of them since then. They are just, they're rhythmic. They're great yeah. beats. It's, it, they're fabulous. And they, they also, they were, they were an alternate alt rock band that played these epic guitar solos. I mean, they, they, they weren't epic shredding, like, you know, arena rock, you know, stuff like that. But no, they, they played some extended solos. These guys, they, they were yeah. very, all really good players. And um, some decades back, Lou Reed did a bunch of shows at, you know, I don't know, the bottom line or somewhere like that. And the Feelies were his backup band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they did shows at the bottom line. Correct. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, their first three records, I think I had. Uh, Time for a Witness is the third one, correct? Um, yeah. Yeah, my and, uh, favorite is um, the one Peter Buck produced. Uh, oh, the uh, the Good Earth. The Good Earth. And th- wait, so that's so that's the second record, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't okay, know. No, got, yeah, yeah. I, I have all of them. Actually, I have all of their records, even the latest one. They came oh. out with one a couple of years ago, and I have it, and it's really good. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, well, I'll I'll look that up. I think the first one's called Meet the Feelies, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But um, so I've now, got. Did you, did you ever see them? No, you never saw. I that. never saw the Feelies. No, I saw Me the either. Bongos multiple times, but not the Feelies. Where'd you see the Bongos? I saw the Bongos at the Peppermint Lounge. I yes. saw the Bongos at. Um, oh man, the Hoboken uh, Fest, the Pier Festival in Hoboken. Okay, I saw them uh, maybe at that place in Passaic, New Jersey. Yeah. I can't, um, think, of, I can't think of the name Lounge. of the place. The Loop Lounge. Yeah. And Passaic Park. Yeah. Or, or yeah, it could have been. But I saw them like three or four times. They're a great band. Nice. Good I've one. got another band here from New Jersey, Drama Rama. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, they're from, they, they were together from 1982 to 1994. And they had, they had a, some success. They had a pretty big hit, actually, too. Yeah, yeah they did. Um, I think the hit was maybe I Will Work for Food or something like that. Yeah. Drama-rama. Yeah. Um, the drummer it was or is? I don't know. Clem Burke, I believe. Are you kidding me? I, I believe he played. I don't, I don't, is he the original? I'm not sure. Uh, but he, he had played with them, I believe. Very cool. Yeah. Great drummer, too. Very cool. And, of course, another band that I'm really fond of. Technically, they're from Hoboken, Yola Tango. Yeah, yeah. Hoboken. Yep. And of course, the Smithereens. Another great band. Yeah. They're now defunct, but they were a great band. Yep. Pat Denizio has passed. Yep. The Smithereens had some great records. Yeah. Yeah. You always like the early records in a lot of ways, you know? 
Um, but even when they went kind of bigger rock, they still had some good hits. You know, they they were catchy. They they were some catchy songs. I, I saw. Well, you've seen them too, haven't you? What? The Smithereens. I I saw them open up for you too. Yeah. That that's right. Yeah. yeah. I saw I saw them at um, I was it, it's a, some club in down in New Brunswick, and we actually Edenville played there. Um, but I, I saw them. It was a latter day thing. But uh, Jim Babjack the lead guitar player was playing an acoustic guitar that was electrified <laughs> playing. You know, he's got some pretty signature riffs though. Like, so he's playing an acoustic. All right. So I've got a couple of more uh, mentions okay. of, of people like, okay, well I'll do it just because I have to is the four seasons. Come on, man. <laughs> you don't like a tallow rock. <laughs> All right. So the four like seasons call, man. were from New Jersey. The Shirelles, the four lovers. The were from Passaic, New Jersey. Very cool. Yep. Um, the Looking Glass, of course, you spoke, you informed me that they were like four guys from Rutgers University or something. Yeah, yep. Right? Another group, the Fountains of Wayne. Yeah, yep. With the late, great Adam Schlesinger. Oh, yeah, he got that, yeah. He died, yeah. Died, died of COVID. They, in fact, he, is he the one that wrote the music for that Tom Hanks movie, That Thing You Do? Yeah, I think I believe so. He had a lot to do with it. He yeah. wrote a lot of those songs, yeah. correct? And he also co-produced uh, with James Eha of Smashing Pumpkins, one of the latter-day albums by America, and it's good. Really? Yeah, yeah. Have you heard of this group, The Misfits? Yeah. They were from Lodi. Real Lodi? They're from Lodi, Glenn Donzig. Is he from New Jersey? Yeah, from there. They got together in 1977 in Lodi, New Jersey, wow. the Misfits. Wow. And they were pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I thought they were California. Uh, no. And um, David Grisman is from Hackensack, New Jersey. Okay. And one more group. I have to mention it because of you and they're called the grip weeds my friends the grip weeds the grip weeds yes they're from uh, where are they from uh, highland park uh, new jersey the grip weeds i've heard yep. some of their stuff yep they're really good really they, get on, they get played on the xm underground, underground garage a lot um the grip weeds co-produced my old band edenville's uh cd or our only our one and done. <laughs> um, of which Perry Dedovitz, my friend and co-host here, is a co-writer on many of those songs that were on my old band Edenville's uh, one and done only CD. Well, perhaps one day we'll play them. Yeah. I still strum them at home. That, that was a good so, Yeah, so that category is just about spent as far as I'm I, concerned. I, How about I, you? The Knickerbockers. The Knickerbockers. Oh, man. Yeah, from Bergenfield, New Jersey. From Live. Knickerbocker Avenue in Bergenfield, New Jersey? Yeah, exactly, the, the very same one. Um, the, the best song the Beatles never wrote. It's a great song, man. It's got that John Lennon sound. It man. does. And it's it's the vocal, doesn't it? The guitars are great. Um, I don't think that's a one-hit. That's not a one-hit wonder because I think they had something that crept up into the top 40 and you know, the lower, lower rungs of the top 40. But that was a big hit. But uh, yeah, they were actually local boys from our county in New Jersey. Bergen County, New Jersey, the town of Bergen Field in Bergen County, New Jersey. Very cool. Very cool. Now, there's also some other. Is no, <clears throat> was that the end of your list? That's the end of my list. Yeah. But, you know, Joe Lynn Turner of Rainbow was from Hackensack. Joe Lynn Turner. Yeah, he was in. Remember the big local band Fandango? Yeah. They used to play a lot of all the colleges. They played Seton Hall when I went there. Uh, Joe, Joe Lynn Turner was the lead vocalist. He went to high school with our friend Jim Bogard, the drummer in Edenville. Wow. Small world. Yep. Um, many. You know, and you know, there's some that go without mentioning. Everyone knows Sinatra. You know, Sinatra's from Hoboken. Um, you didn't have to mention, you know, our friend from Asbury Park. You know, there's the big ones that we all know. I didn't that. want to go into the biggies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, those I, are I wanted to go with obvious. the ones that I actually like. Sure, sure. Um I even thought maybe Steely Dan, but no, none of them are from New Jersey. I, I don't believe. Oh uh, no, I think Donald Fagan is from New Jersey. Donald Fagan, I think he is. I think yeah. he is. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. That that was a good one. That was, that was cool. Crazy. Very cool. So um, next up is a producer, producer of the week. Have yes. you got a producer? I do. I do. 
and there these are without them this mu- without these people this music doesn't happen you know we, we go on and on about it it's just if you don't have a good producer or if your producer doesn't have it for you it, it's not going to happen um my producer, it ain't happening. Yeah. It ain't happening. No, it's, <laughs> it's going to happen badly. You know, you've heard. I mean, didn't Ariane have someone early on in their career produce someone and added like weird things on it? One of the early something from maybe Murmur, and they're like, "No, this is not." It, no, I've never heard any of it. It's probably in a vault somewhere. But uh, I digress. So my producer of the week is Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Tom Who Wilson. Is Tom Wilson. Uh, Thomas Blanchard Wilson Jr. Uh, born in. Uh, March 25th, 1931, in Waco, Texas. Uh, he died at the age of 47 in uh, 1978 in L.A. Uh, he had Marfan's disease. Um, it, if you're not aware, it's, it's a disease of the uh, connective tissue where people who have this are like really tall, their arms are long. It's just, it, it, they frequently succumb to heart disease and things. And, and Tom Wilson died of a heart attack at the age of 47 after accomplishing many, many amazing things. Um, he was an African-American producer in the early days of the folk and jazz. Well, he's a jazz artist, but he produced a lot of folk albums. And uh, he's best noted for his 60s work with Bob Dylan, The Mothers of Invention, Simon and Garfunkel, The Velvet Underground, uh, Sun Ra, interesting cat. Wow. Uh, yeah, Nico, um, Eric Burden and the Animals, The Blues Project. And I heard that. Uh, the Clancy Brothers. <laughs> uh, they're, they're an Irish folk group. <laughs> Perry just popped open a can Speaking of, of the Clancy water. Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the death of you people. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he was someone also they said, you know, he was someone that he had a vision in his head and he was influential in shaping the sound of things, uh, particularly Dylan. But in the earlier life, he went to Fisk University, which was an almost exclusive African-American university. Uh, he got invited into Harvard. University and got involved with the Harvard New Jazz uh, Society um, and also influential on the radio station uh, WHRB. He was a jazz, uh, a jazz lover. Um, so after he graduated from Harvard, he borrowed $500 and started this very, a very revolutionary record company called Transition Records that promoted these jazz artists that he really believed in. Uh, Sun Ra, uh, who claims to be from the planet Saturn, and if I've, I believe yes. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wears cool hats. Um, so he, after that the, uh, record label went bankrupt and such, so he worked for United Artists in 57. Uh, Savoy Records, uh, he started in, in 1942, and from Newark, New Jersey. And with that, he recorded uh, some of the biggest names in jazz. Uh, Coltrane, Art Blakey, Charlie Parker, Dexter Gordon, Miles Davis. Wow, I've heard all yeah. the names. Yeah. So I didn't know that much about, about his jazz background. So these guys, I mean... John Coltrane and Charlie Parker, enough is that, and Miles Davis. I mean, any one of these would make your reputation as a producer. Uh, he went from there onto Columbia Records, you know, the big Columbia Records, uh, Clive Davis and John Hammond, the legendary talent scout and producer, who also, uh, John Hammond produced Dylan's first record, I believe, or maybe the first. Um, so he was a staff producer there, and he got the Bob Dylan assignment. Um, he rec- the albums he produced with Dylan, mostly just the two of them, Dylan on you know, guitar harmonica and Tom Wilson uh, doing, you know, doing the producer. I don't know who engineered it. So he was producing those early Dylan records. Those early, they were the ones that got Dylan. Uh, maybe Dylan playing bass or something. And, uh, uh, no, not, not even that. It's just Dylan, uh, guitar harmonica, and sometimes a piano. But those first couple of records, that was all it was. It was that was, Those were folk records. These are like the early 1960s. Yeah, right? like 63, 64, 65. Um, I think he did some on his... Um, the Free Wheel and Bob Dylan, I think it was 63. Uh, he was uncredited with producing four of those songs, but I'm not sure which ones they are, but he's on that. But he produced The Times They Are Changing, uh, the third album, 64. All songs, were, you know, M- Dylan did uh, maybe some covers early on, but all the songs in this album were written by Zinni. Um, with God on Our Side, One Too Many Mornings, The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll, Boots, oh, of, yeah. Spanish, yeah, Boots of Spanish Leather. These are well-known songs of Dylan. He uh, produced that. Uh, in 64, also, he produced Another Side of Bob Dylan. Uh, same kind of idea. Um, the songs are All I Really Want to Do, The Chimes of Freedom, My Back Pages, It Ain't Me, Babe. Um, that's funny. That was a record where a lot of people said, you know, Dylan wasn't doing the finger, the political finger pointing. He was writing about more things, more being more thematic, you know. And, right. You know what I mean? It Ain't Me, Babe. You know, it's just a different thing. It's a more, more personalized. Uh, but, you know, 
you can't fault the songwriting no matter what direction he went in. So that that speaks for itself, you know. But was he involved when Dylan went pop? Uh, well, well, here you go. On the uh, album, bringing it all back home, um, Tom Wilson produced the single "Like a Rolling Stone." And as you and I know, Perry, that's a story. Um, that song is a story unto itself. And let, let, let's get into it because um, it was it was it was Dylan's. Dylan went electric. So. The thing is, Tom Wilson evidently influenced Dylan heavily into doing that. Cool. Uh, yeah, and, and the musicians on that song are, are just amazing. It's um, Mike Bloomfield on guitar, um, Harvey Brooks on bass. The drummer, I don't know if it's Sandy, Sandy Konikoff or not. Um, I'm not sure about that. But as we know, Al Cooper, I, I call him the Forrest Gump of rock and roll. He pops up in all these weird places. <laughs> um, he was a guitar player that bullshit his way and said he could play some organ and end up getting on the session and that organ sound became so there was a the sound of that song. I, I saw him interviewed about that. And he's, you know, he said, because he, it took him a second to figure out what chord they were on. Yeah. So that's why he was so late punching in the uh, keyboard. Exactly. Yeah. And if you, we listened to it. I, I heard when I heard that last time I heard, it, I listened to it. He's just a little bit late sometimes. Cause he's watching Dylan's hand. Yeah. And then um, when they're listening to the playback, Dylan says, turn up the organ. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great stuff. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, it was a push, you know, I'm sure Dylan had a vision of that as well in his mind. But um, that's what he did, you know. And also with um, Simon and Garfunkel, you know, he produced The Sounds of Silence. The single, really? Tom yeah, Wilson? Tom Wilson produced that. And, well, he produced their first album, uh, Wednesday Morning, 3 a.m. That was a debut album. But when Sounds of Silence was recorded, when Tom Wilson produced that, He's the guy that added the drums and the electric guitar. That is great production. It is. It is. And look what it did. It, it, you know, that, that, got, that got their attention. And the fact is, I didn't know this until I researched that they had broken up. Uh, Paul Simon is working on the solo thing. And Art Garfunkel went back to school at I don't know, Hofstra or something, you know, close to where he lived. With, uh, but that got them back together. It brought them into more pop mainstream, I suppose. It brought the band, it brought Simon and Garfunkel back together. They had broken up, and that song became a hit. And they're like, well, hey. And Tom Wilson was the producer. Tom Wilson was the producer. Yeah. That's yeah. A great sound. Yep. Uh, yeah. Wednesday morning, 3 a.m., you know. And but there was some that, that was the song. Uh, Paul Simon wrote much of it, but there was a lot of covers on that first record of theirs. And it wasn't very successful. The, the Sounds of Silence album, you know, from the, uh, from the Graduate. I think that was the beginning of the, oh, hey, these are who these guys are. Um, yeah, but, you know, there's, and he, so he created some amazing time capsule and some time, timeless stuff as well. Um, now he is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he is getting his due apparently, because I was wondering, you know, how do people who don't know about this find out about it? You know, so there's a biopic that is actually in, it's, it's being worked on now. They're aiming for a, a 2022 release, but it'll be called Tom Wilson. Lost in Transition. Really? Yeah, so it's a state authorized his, uh, I don't know if it's, Tom Wilson III is one of the executive producers. Uh, one of the other directors, I think, is a Peabody winning uh, director, you know. So I think he's specializing in things of the African-American culture, too, you know. <clears throat> so I, I look forward to seeing it myself, and I think, I, I'm sure you would, too. But died a young man because of Marfan syndrome, you know. It's just, it, it affects the heart so much sometimes, but uh, but considering the age of 47, what he left behind that body of work is just, you know, that's legendary. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that, that's mine for the week. That's really cool. Yeah, man. Really cool. All right. So I've got a guy born in Brooklyn, New York, 1944. Brooklyn. He was married to the singer Mary Hopkins. Oh, the, the Scott, the Welsh singer, or whatever. Yeah, uh, those were the yeah. days, my friend. That may have been produced by Paul McCartney. Oh, definitely, it definitely was. He was married to her from 1971 to 81. He was married to May Pang. Wow. From 1989 till 2000. His name is Tony Visconti. Oh, okay. And he moved to the UK, say, 1968. And through through the company that he was working for, his company, uh, he started producing. The first thing he produced was a group called Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> and he ended up producing eight albums for T-Rex. So that's the same band they, they shortened the name to T-Rex? 
they shortened the name to T-Rex, right. And he and so he was their producer. He was their producer. He produced Bang Gong and, uh, and, and, and Jeepster. Yes. All of the uh, Bang Gong, that's the Tony Visconti production. Okay. And he also worked with David Bowie. Yes. Yeah. Right. As right. You all know he produced Diamond Dogs in 1974. Okay. Young Americans in 1975. I like I like that stuff. Um, you know, not being the biggest yeah. Bowie fan, but I, I like some of the stuff in that period. That's cool. He produced Low in 1977. Was that was that in Berlin? Uh, probably in the uh, yeah in Europe. Okay. He produced Heroes. Wow. 1977. He produced his best stuff. He produced Lodger in 1979. He produced Scary Monsters in 1980. Wow. And he also produced Bowie's final record, Black Star, in 2016. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's an interesting and, pick. Absolutely. But it, it's he also produced... He also produced many other groups. He produced Thin Lizzy. An album called Bad Reputation. Hmm. He produced. Now, is anything that we might know? Um, the boys are back in town. Joe, uh, I don't know. Himself. I don't know. I'm not, yeah. you know, that well versed on Thin Lizzy. Right, right. He produced an album by Sparks called Indiscreet. Sparks with the Mal Brothers? The male brother, the male brothers. Yep, yep. <laughs> and he also he produced the Moody Blues, but this is the Moody Blues sort of in the nineteen eighties. And once upon a dream, though, whatever the in your wildest dreams, in your wildest dreams. Okay, he produced that. Yep, that's a nice song, actually. Yeah, and he, and another song by them. I know you're out there somewhere. Each and every heart is seen. Yeah. Founded by. Ah, okay. Those were produced by um, by Tony Visconti, but he also produced records by um, The Alarm. I like The Alarm. He also produced records. Oh, what, what is it? Yeah. By Different and Tilbrook. Not Squeeze. Not Squeeze, just Different and Tilbrook. He also produced the record, the second LP by the Finn Brothers. Oh, okay. You know who they are, right? From yeah. I, 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 yeah. Uh, yep. Tim and uh, was it Mickey Finn? His brother. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Finn. Neil he also Finn. produced, um, he produced a record by Mark Almond. Uh, Human League. Mark Almond? No, I don't know that he was in Human League. Mark Almond may, may have had a song way back called Tainted Love. That might that, 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 that's, I think that's the Human League. Uh, I don't know that that's the human league. Don't you want me, baby? No, that's that's different. That's different. I think it's the same one. But he also produced. He also produced. This is something not everyone knows. He did the orchestral arrangements for "Band on the Run" by Paul oh, wow. Wings. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Wow. He did the orchestral arrangements. He also produced and played bass guitar on the Dandy Warhols album in twenty uh, in two thousand three. He produced an album called Glow by Richard Barone of the of the of the bongos of, of the bongos. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And he produced some other people that are like Alejandro Escovedo. Wow. Uh, okay. So he's yep. still active. He's he's still he's still around. He's still uh yep. He in fact he was working with Kingston University. I'm not sure where Kingston University is, but he started the Visconti studio. It's a tape-based recording studio. And it's with Tony Visconti and the uh, British Library and Science Museum. Very cool. And of course, he won a Grammy Award in 2017, two Grammys for Black Star, David Bowie's uh, uh, okay. record, as best engineer and co producer uh, for uh, Black Star, David Bowie. There's some interesting stuff on that record. 
Absolutely. And they claim that here he's, he's considered one of the most important producers in the history of rock and pop. Yeah. Uh, especially, I mean, the, the 70s, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty big mark right there. Just, just with the Bowie and T-Rex yep. stuff. Wow. And he had a hand in, in creation of some of the greatest records of the past 50 years. And he was also a string arranger and conductor. So right. that's Tony Visconti. Nice. <clears throat> that was my guy. And, but he also played some. He, he, he played bass on for, for somebody. He's a, he was a, he's a bass guitar player, a musician in his own right. Absolutely. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn, New York. Neat. But really, he's a UK. Uh, XP, X, 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 Patriot, oh. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good choice. I wasn't uh, that was something I, I wouldn't normally expect. I don't know if I would have even picked up myself. Yeah, but that was well, good. very cool. So this next category, yeah, how, what do you want to call it? You came up with it. What do you want to call it? TV rock variety shows, for lack of something better. You know, uh, it's just there's no skits. You know, so we're talking about shows like Don Kirshner's rock concert. Yeah, Midnight Special. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that fall under that. You know, I mean, some of them probably had some comedy, but some of these shows were actually done, um, even the early ones, you know, you and I more familiar with things like you know, the Midnight Special, Don Kirsten's Rock Concert, but, you know, even things going back to the early 60s, Hullabaloo Shindig. I don't know anything about them. I don't, that stuff exists for me on YouTube, if that, you know, but you look back and things like that, but. I never saw Hullabaloo. No, I mean, never saw Shindig. Yeah, I think maybe I saw, you know, if I looked up a clip of the birds, maybe, maybe they were playing feel a whole lot better on something like that, but I didn't watch the shows themselves, you know. And whether I think they were, when those shows were on the air, I was still wearing diapers. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> You're in gold plated diapers. You know? <laughs> but yeah, and I don't know if they were lip syncing or not, but in the history of television, anyway, there are some that go back before what we are familiar with. I mean, uh, Ed Sullivan. You know, that speaks for itself. But that that was not just music. That was, you know, Topo Gigio, the little puppet mouse and, you know, people spinning plates on broom handles and stuff. <laughs> but but they're notable for the fact that, you know, the, the bands that did play there and, the, you know, the Beatles, the Doors, the Stones. Um, right. Although most of those bands, I don't know about the Beatles, but most of those bands played just to a backing track and they sang live. They sang live. OK. Yeah. So, right. And that, that's what I was saying. That's kind of that little gray area there. But, you know, you'll go back further. I mean, Glenn Campbell had a show. And I don't remember, was it was it comedy? Was there comedy skits? It was a variety show. It was so, variety. So, yeah, yeah. So there was some shtick. So there were some silly skits, I'm sure. Yeah. But, but you know, he, he did music. I mean, Johnny Cash had the, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. So Yeah, and Bob Dylan was a guest one time That's on that show. Right. Did yep. they play Girl from the North Country? Probably. Yeah, yep. cool. Um, the Smothers Brothers. I mean, these guys were legitimate. I mean, comedians, you know, activists, but they were, but they had music. Uh, Sonny and Cher had music. And there, there was a show, but they were skitty. Hee Haw, same thing. You know, Roy Clark and, and Buck Owens, these guys were big time musicians in, in, their, in their fields, in their realms, but they had that same thing, comedy. Um, we're going to get to the, the better stuff in a minute, but I feel like I had to wade through some stuff here, like the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show. <laughs> 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 that might have been on Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, but I don't know that anything they did was live. Uh, uh, okay. um, <laughs> Mac, Mac Davis had a show. But you mentioned the Smothers Brothers, and I yeah. remember uh, seeing a clip of the Smothers Brothers where Pete Seeger was the guest. And uh, he was going to sing his song called Big Muddy. And it was about the war in vietnam and you know the big fool says to push on and the big fool was lbj and right. william paley who was uh, you know who was the head of the network cbs probably told yeah. them he better not sing that song he better not do it because you know they're poking fun at lbj the big fool says to push on yeah yeah and he did it pete Seeger did it they got in trouble. They probably got canceled before because of it. But you know what? Give give the Smothers Brothers credit. Oh they, yeah, they put Pete Seeger on to sing uh, "Big Muddy." Yeah, and you know, like I said, they were they were uh, political activists. You know, they had something to say. Um, you know, given the, I remember that show, like late sixties, early seventies. I remember I do remember seeing that on television a couple times. You know, 
being the age, they didn't really get what they were going on. I just thought, you know, he's playing that big upright bass. You know, Tommy's playing the bass and Dick is playing guitar or whatever. Um, well, yeah, they were a folk duo. They were a folk duo, but yeah. but but you said they did that was they did some pretty edgy shit, you know. Absolutely. And um, so you know, yeah, so they had that. Um, you know, even Sonny and Cher had their show, but uh, Bobby Goldsboro, <laughs> he had a show from seventy three to seventy five. You know, and he was, yeah, he I used think... to do frog noises with his <laughs> voice or something. Oh man, <laughs> and honey, I miss you. Well, let's get into like Don Kirshner's rock. Well, I, I, we're gonna have a, just a few words. Just got to get out of the way. Okay. I mean, all right. Uh, Shanana, you know, they did music of whether they listen to not. <laughs> Bowser. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then, what's his name was in there? Henry Gross. Who Henry, one yeah. time was in Shanana. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that was the stuff that we, before we were getting into music, that was the stuff that was on for music variety. Um, so, but you mentioned, maybe it's time to move on to the more, uh, substantial stuff that we can relate to like as far as live music but I, I thought this genre deserved a little bit of a preface uh if not just for a few laughs you know but um but but when were when were these shows on like when was doc kirsch don kirshner's rock concert on was about a decade wasn't it yeah well both the midnight special and don kirshner's rock concert started like 72 they both ended in the year 1981 um okay so almost a decade uh the 70s this, they were they were firmly in the seventies. I mean, they made it two years. They made it one year into the eighties. But a lot of the other stuff was you know was seventies, but sixties too. But uh, most of these music music variety shows that I mentioned that, that were, at least were more rock oriented were the seventies. In the sixties, you know, there were more like Andy Williams had a show in the sixties. You know, that was all across the board. That was very, you know, middle of the road family entertainment in a sense. Well, the Osmond Brothers were on a lot, yeah. and, and Donnie Marie had a show up until nineteen seventy nine. So that was crazy. Um, well, look, Tony Osmond has a great voice. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. And, you know, Marie, Marie, too. You know, it's just, they, they were good singers, you know. If you but, say. Yeah. So with, with, when I first started getting into music, you know, late 70s, um, you know, you, if you see bands on TV playing music, you know, if, if you want to be in a band, that's what you want to do, whether you're some little kid seeing the Beatles for the first time or whatever. But, you know, I still love these shows because, you know, you hear something on the radio and then you're seeing it live and, you know, it just, you know, of course, it looks so cool, man. Who didn't want to be a guitar player? Yeah. Um, so what, and, and what I remember these shows were on late. They were both on let's, the Midnight Special and Don Kirsch's Rock con- Concert. They were on Friday nights and Saturday nights, respectively. Um, Midnight Special was on Friday night. And this no, midnight, something, right? Yeah, like, these are, these were on late. Um, sometimes, you know, I think, uh, I think the Midnight Special, the, the original time was like, uh, one, it was 1 o'clock to 2.30 a.m. Yeah, if you were up smoking weed, I mean, yeah, this was it's great. on Friday night. <laughs> if you're, you're you're getting small in your bathroom and then coming out. Oh, okay. You know, we're a clean act, Terry. We're a clean act. <laughs> but uh, so the midnight special, um, it was uh started by the the producer was Bert Sugarman. Bert Sugarman presents the midnight special. Uh, who again, did you see on the midnight special? Who uh, are you seeing? Oh my God, it's. It, it's it's amazing the the list that goes on. I, I just I'm trying to think. Um, Didn't you tell me you saw the Doobie Brothers on there one time? Well, well I think the um, no, I think that uh, was it. They might have done the um, the the first uh, uh, Don Kirshner's. It was the Doobie Brothers and the Rolling Stones, I think. But I mean, on the, the Midnight Special, uh, it was everything. I mean, ABBA, ACDC, America, Aretha Franklin, uh, the Beach Boys, the Bee Gees, David Bowie, Doctor Hook, Bread. James Brown, uh, the, just Ray Charles, cheap. Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show. Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show. Uh, <laughs> you know, they had comedians. Uh, ELO apparently has a record for most appearances. Uh, on, Cass, uh, really on Don Curse's rock concert? On uh, Midnight Special. Midnight Special. Yeah, yeah. The um, the Guess Who, Al Green, XTC, a favorite band of both of ours. Wow, uh, is on there. I was always partial to the Midnight Special over Don Kirshner. Um Yeah, I, 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 I never get them both mixed night. up. Yeah. Um, the guess who? Uh, my God, it's 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 amazing. Um, weather report. The, I mean, the village people. You know, they they went with the times as well. Tom Petty, uh, Sugarloaf Perry, <laughs> played Green Eyed Lady. Yeah, Green Eyed Lady. They, uh, they must have played more than one song. Uh, the Spinners, Steely Dan, R- Todd Rundgren. T-Rex. Oh, I was just gonna say, I remember seeing Todd Rundgren on there one time, and yeah. he used to he used to wear outfits that some of his fans made for him. 
Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And he'd have a reel-to-reel tape recorder playing behind him as his accompaniment. And, of course, it was him playing all the instruments anyhow. So, you know, he'd say, this right. is my accompaniment. I, th- I think I remember seeing him almost playing the films, you know. And, and both these shows, uh, Midnight Special and Don Kirshner, they would show some archival footage. Uh, you know, you'd see Bill Haley in the comments and other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the first, the Midnight Special, uh, it premiered as a pilot. Bert Sugarman couldn't get anyone to pick it up. So, so he bought the airtime. So it was... Uh, the, the pilot was produced, uh, broadcast on August 19th, 1972, my 11th birthday. Uh, and then because the ratings were so good and that time slot, you know, back then, the last program of the night, these networks would sign off and it was dead air. Um, so there was this, in 1971, they passed an act, uh, it was called the, uh, uh, the Public Health uh, Cigarette Smoking Act of 1971, where they couldn't advertise uh, tobacco on TV. So these networks lost money. So they picked up advertising money by keeping the air going. So shows like Midnight Special and Don Kirshner actually kept revenue coming in because they stayed on later, later after later, hours, really when you were getting small in your bathroom. <laughs> um, but uh, Wolfman Jack, the old pirate DJ was the announcer and a frequent guest host. They had guest hosts. Um, but the, the song, you know, Midnight Special, we know, we know the song is, it's, a, you know, it's been covered. It's a traditional folk song, but, that version was performed by the great Johnny Rivers. Cool. Johnny yeah. Rivers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I thought these shows went on longer, but they, they stopped in 1981. Um, but it's funny because, you know, uh, I think the, the Midnight Special followed The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, when The Tonight Show shortened to an hour, they got bumped up to a little earlier time. But I remember coming home, you know, our family had a roller rink, so we were open late on the weekends. We come on Friday nights and, you know, come home we'll wind up from skating and i go up my room and watch midnight special and don kirshner and see everything i'm there for some reason elvin bishop is popping up in my mind more than others